Chapter Twenty Two of the Mesmerist Victim by Alexander Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Presentiments. As the hour of noon was sounding from the Trianon clock, Nicole ran in to tell Andrea that Captain Philip was at the door. Surprised but glad, Andrea ran to meet the Chevalier, who dismounted from his horse and was asking if his sister could be seen. She opened the door herself to him embraced him, and the pair went up into her rooms. It was only there that she perceived that he was sadder than usual, with sorrow in his smile. He was dressed in a stylish uniform with the utmost exactness, and he had his horseman's cloak rolled up under his left arm. "'What is the matter, Philip?' she asked, with the instinct of affectionate souls for which a glance is sufficient revelation. "'Sister!' I am under orders to go and join my regiment at Reims. Oh, dear! And Andrea exhaled in the exclamation part of her courage and her strength. Natural as it was to hear of his departure, she felt so upset that she had to cling to his arm. Gracious! Why are you so afflicted to this decree? He asked, as to shed. It is a common thing in a soldier's life, and the journey is nothing to speak of. They do say the regiment is to be sent back to Strasbourg in all probability. So you have come to bid me farewell? That is it. Have you something particular to say? He questioned, made uneasy by her grief, too exaggerated not to be founded. Nicole was looking on at the scene with surprise, for the leave-taking of an officer going to his garrison was not a catastrophe to be received by tears. Andrea understood this emotion, and she put on her lace mantilla to accompany her brother through the grounds to the outer gate. "'My only dear one,' said she, deadly pale and sobbing, "'you are going to leave me all alone, and you ask why I weep? You will say the Dauphiness is kind to me? So she is, perfect in my eyes, and I regard her as a divinity?' but it is because she dwells in a superior sphere that i feel for her respect not affection affection is so needful to my heart that the want of it makes it collapse father oh heaven i am telling you nothing new when i say that our father is not a friend or guardian to me sometimes he looks at me so that i am frightened i am more afraid than ever of him since you go away I cannot tell, but the birds know that a storm is coming when they take to flight while still it is calm. What storm are you to be on your guard against? I admit that misfortune may await us. Have you some forewarning of it? Do you know whether you ought to run to meet it or flee to avoid it? I do not know, Philip. Only that my life hangs on a thread— seems to me that in my sleep I am rolled to the brink of a chasm, where I am awakened, too late for me to withstand the attraction which will drag me over. With you absent, and none to help me, I shall be crushed at the bottom of the chasm. Dear sister, my good Andrea, said the captain, moved despite himself by this genuine fright, you make too much of affection for which i thank you you lose a defender it is true but 
only for the time i shall not be so far that i am not within call besides apart from fancies nothing threatens you then philip how is it that you a man feel as mournful as i do at this parting explain this brother it is easy dear returned philip we are not only brother and sister but had a lonely life which kept us together it is our habit to dwell in close communion and it is sad to break the chain i am sad but only temporarily i do not believe in any misfortune save our not seeing each other for some months or it may be a year i resign myself and say good-bye till we meet again you are right she said staying her tears and i am mad see i am smiling again we shall meet soon again she tenderly embraced him while he regarded her with an affection which had some parental tenderness in it besides he said you will have a comfort in our father coming here to live with you he loves you believe me but it is in his own peculiar way you seem embarrassed philip what is wrong nothing except that my horse is chafing at the gates because i ought to have been gone an hour ago andrea assumed a calm face and said in a tone too firm not to be affectation god save you brother she watched him mount his horse and ride off waving his hand to the last she remained motionless as long as he was in sight then she turned and ran at hazard in the wood like a wounded fawn until she dropped on a bench under the trees where she let a sob burst from her bosom oh father of the motherless she exclaimed why am i left all alone upon earth a slight sound in the thicket a sigh she took it to be made her turn she was startled to see a sad face rise before her it was gilbert's as pale and cast down as her own at sight of a man though he was not a stranger andrea hastened to dry her eyes too proud to show her grief to another she composed her features and smoothed her cheeks which had been quivering with despair gilbert was longer than she in regaining his calm and his countenance was still mournful when she looked at it ah master gilbert again she said with the light tone she always assumed when chance brought her and the young man together but what ails you that you should gaze on me with that dolorous air something must have saddened you pray what has saddened you if you really want to know he answered with the more sorrow as he perceived the irony in her words it is the sadness of seeing you in misery what tells you so i am not in any grief replied andrea brushing her eyes for the second time with her handkerchief feeling that the gale was rising the lover thought to lull it with his humility i beg pardon but i heard you sobbing what listening you had better it was chance stammered the young man who found it hard to tell her a lie chance 
i am sorry that chance should help you to overhear my sobs but i prithee tell me how does my distress concern you i cannot bear to hear a woman weep rejoined gilbert in a tone sovereignly displeasing the patrician am i but a woman to you master gilbert replied the haughty girl i do not crave the sympathy of any one and least of all of master gilbert you are wrong to treat me so rudely persisted the ex-dependent of the tavernais i saw you in sad affliction i heard you say that you would be all alone in the world by the departure of master philip but no my young lady for i am by you and never did a heart beat more devoted to you i repeat that never will you be alone while my brain can think my heart throb or my arm be stretched out he was handsome with vigor nobility and devotion while he uttered these words although he put into them all the simplicity which the truest respect commands but it was decreed that everything he should say and do was to displease offend and drive andrea to make insulting retorts as though each of his offers were an outrage and his supplications provocation she meant to rise to suit an action most harsh to words most stern but a nervous shiver kept her in her seat she thought besides that she would be more likely to be seen if erect and she did not wish to be remarked talking with a gill bear she kept her seat but she determined once for all to crush this tormenting little insect underfoot i thought i had already told you that you dreadfully displease me your voice irritates me and your philosophical nonsense is repugnant to me why then as i told you this much are you obstinate in speaking to me lady no woman should be irritated by sympathy being expressed for her he was pale but constrained an honest man is the peer of any human creature and perchance i whom you so persistently ill-treat deserve the sympathy which i regret you do not show for me sympathy repeated andrea at this reiteration of the word fastening her eyes widely open with impertinence upon him sympathy from me towards you in truth i have made a mistake about you i took you for a pert fellow and you are a mad one i am neither pert nor mad returned the low-born lover with an apparent calm which was costly to the pride we know he felt no for nature made me your equal and chance made you my debtor chance again eh sneered the baron's daughter i ought to say providence i should never have mentioned it but your insults bring it up in my mind your debtor i think you say why do you say that i should be ashamed if you had ingratitude in your composition for god only knows what other defects have been implanted in you to counterbalance your beauty andrea leaped to her feet at this forgive me said he but you gall me too much at times and i forget the interest you inspire andrea burst out into such hearty laughter that the lover ought to have been lifted to the height of wrath but to her great astonishment gilbert did not kindle 
he folded his arms on his breast, retaining his hostile expression and fiery look, and patiently waited for the end of her outraging merriment. "'Dane, young lady,' said he coldly, "'to reply to one question. Do you respect your father?' "'It looks, sirrah, as if you took the liberty of putting questions to me.' she replied with the greatest haughtiness. "'Yes, you respect your father,' he went on, "'not on account of any parts of his or virtues, "'but simply because he gave you life. "'For this same boon you are bound to love the benefactor. "'This laid down as a principle,' said the loving philosopher, "'why do you insult me? "'Why repulse me and hate me, who have not given you life?' but I prevented you losing it. "'You? You saved my life?' cried Andrea. "'You have not thought of it. Rather, you have forgotten it. It is quite natural, for it was a year ago. Therefore, I must remind or inform you. Yes, I saved your life, at the risk of losing my own.' "'I should like to learn where and when.' said Andrea. On that day when a hundred thousand people, crushing one another as they fled from masterless horses and flashing swords, strewed Louis Fifteenth Place with the dying and the dead. The last day of May? Andrea lost and regained her ironical smile. Oh, you are Baron Balsamo, are you? I cry you pardon, for I did not know this either before. "'No, I am not the baron,' replied Gilbert with flaming eyes and tremulous lip. "'I am the poor boy, offspring of the dregs of the kingdom, whose folly, stupidity, and misfortune it is to be in love with you. It was because of this I followed you into that multitude. I am Gilbert, who, separated from you by the crush, recognized you by the dreadful scream you raised.' Gilbert, who fell near you but encompassed you with his arms, so that twenty thousand hands tearing at them could not have relaxed the clasp. Gilbert, who placed himself between the stone post on which you would be smashed, to make a buffer of his breast. Gilbert, who, seeing in the throng the strange man who seemed to command the other men, called out your name to the Baron Balsamo, so that he and his allied friends should come to your rescue. He yielded you up to a happier saver, did Gilbert, retaining of his prize only the flag, the scrap of your dress torn in the struggle with the thousands. I pressed that to my lips, in time to stop the blood which flew up from my shattered bosom. The rolling sea of the terrified and brutal overwhelmed me, but you assented like the angel of the resurrection, to the abode of the blessed. Gilbert exhibited himself wholly in this outburst, wild, simple, and sublime, the same in his determination as in his love. In spits of her contempt, Andrea could not view him without astonishment. He believed for an instant that this story had the irresistibility of love and truth, but the poor lad had reckoned without unbelief the want of faith which hate has. Hating Gilbert 
Andrea let none of the arguments capture in this disdained lover. "'I see,' she said, "'that the author Rousseau has taught you how to weave romances.' "'My love of romance!' he exclaimed indignant. "'And one which you forced me to listen to.' "'Is this all your answer?' faltered he with dulled eyes and his heart aching as in a vice i do not honor with any answer at all responded andrea pushing him aside as she went by to meet nicole who was seeking her on recognizing her former sweetheart nicole regretted that she had not gone round so as to approach unseen and listen she came also to announce that the baron and the duke of richelieu were wishful to see her young lady Andrea departed with Nicole following, who glanced behind, ironically, at Gilbert, who, rather livid than merely pale, mad than agitated, and frenzied than angered, shook his fists after the enemies, muttering between his grinding teeth, "'Oh, thou creature without a heart and body with no soul! I saved thy life and concentrated my love upon thee!' and silenced all sentiment which might offend what i deemed thy candor for in my delirium i believed thee a virgin wholly as the madonna now that i closely see you i behold but a woman and i am a man who will be revenged some day on you andrea tavernay twice have you been under my hand and i spared you beware of the third time andrea and we shall meet again he bounded into the underwood like a wounded wolf-cub, turning round as it flies to show its tusks and bloodshot eyes. End of chapter 22 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia